Luke 6.40 says this. Just hear me. Don't look. Don't look down at your Bibles. I'll tell you when to turn in a moment. Just hear me. Luke 6.40 says this. A disciple, a what? Is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he or she is fully trained, will be like his teacher. The voice uh, paraphrase says this. You will resemble your teacher. You following me? You will resemble your teacher. Now, okay, so who is the teacher? Well, we know this, but let's just make sure we got we grasp this. Proverbs 1 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. That's right. And what is that knowledge? Is it all the great things of the of the universe? No. Honestly, the very first bit of knowledge is being in a relationship. With who? Knowing Him. Right? Fear of the Lord begins this. So if that's the case, a disciple is not above his teacher. We know who the teacher is then, the Lord. And when we walk in a, 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 a relationship of fear, we grow in our knowledge of Him. Amen? And understanding again that fear of the Lord is the same as what? The love of the Lord. The word's very clear. If you fear the Lord, you obey Him. The word's very clear. If you love the Lord, you'll what? Oh, yeah, I just lost everybody. Fear of the Lord, you'll obey Him. If you love the Lord, you'll what? Right? Same coin, two different sides, but it's the same thing. So we know that the teacher is the Lord. My question to you today is, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? In fact, I'm going to ask a bigger question I asked the class yesterday. Is there a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple? Is there a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple? John chapter 8, verse 30. Don't go there. I'll tell you when to land somewhere. I need you to hear this. As he was saying these things, who's he? Who usually is saying things? Yes. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Everybody say believe. Believed in him. So we have ourselves a whole bunch of what? Believers, right? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Who are they? The ones that just believed in him as Messiah. They believed in him. He said, if you abide in my word, you with me? If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Now, can I ask you guys a quick question? These guys are believers, okay? They believe in the Messiah. They believe that He is who He says He is. But let me ask you this. As believers, isn't the expectation that we abide in His word then? We take Him at His word. We obey His word. Isn't that the expectation? But then what did that just define that as? Being a what? A disciple. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will. See, the early church, the early church, they, they were not called Christians. Every person who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ were a part of a, a group called, anybody know what it was called? The Way. Well, what did that mean? Well, it's pretty much it's pretty interesting. It reflected who they were serving. Who's that? 
the way, who's Jesus, and also the life they lived in obedience, the way. Okay? It reflected that. That was every believer. There was not some section of believers over here who were different than this section of believers over here. The understanding was this. If you are a believer, you are a follower. If you are a follower, by definition, you are a what? Disciple. Now you say, hold up. I'm not really understanding. Acts chapter 11. Follow me here. In Antioch, the disciples, everybody say disciples. In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Well, what were they called first? What were they called first? Disciples. You know how many times disciple Christian shows up in the Bible? Do you know how many times disciple shows up in the Bible? Hundreds. I'm going to ask a hard question for some, and the reason being it was hard for me. We live in a culture that has somehow created a two-tier system with Christians amongst believers, that somehow there are some disciples and there are some who just have chosen not to follow yet. Uh, Biblically, that doesn't exist. When you give your heart to Christ, the understanding is you will be a what? A follower of Jesus, a disciple. Now, again, I've grown up with supposedly a two-tier system where, well, there are those that just aren't ready yet. <laughs> when you say yes to Jesus, what's the expectation? What did he say to those, guys, those first 12? Come. And here's what's interesting. We oftentimes interchange the name disciples. So when we say disciple, we're thinking 12 guys that walked with Jesus. Wrong. They were disciples because they what? They believed in him. But that was not who they that was their identity. What was their office? Apostles. What was their calling? Apostles. I am a disciple by identity. I am a pastor by calling. Does everybody get that? How many disciples do we have in the room today? Why are you a disciple? Because you said yes to who? You said yes to Jesus. There's a beautiful little story in Mark 12. And this is where I want to go today. A beautiful little story in Mark 12 where... The Pharisees are coming up trying to trick Jesus. How many times did that try? How many times did that go down? Pharisees trying to trick Jesus to get him arrested and all that stuff. So they come up and they bring a few other guys up and they're like, "Okay, we got a question for you. We've got a question for you. What do you feel about paying taxes, Jesus?" Oh, they're trying to do a catch-22 and get him stuck between a rock and a hard place. What do you think about paying taxes? So Jesus says, anybody got a coin? He pulls a coin out of his pocket. There's a coin there. Or somebody pulled a coin out of, I guess, robes didn't have pockets. I don't know where they pulled it out of. They had a coin. 
And here's this coin, and he looks at it. He says, okay, whose image, whose image is on this coin? He said, Caesar's image is on this coin. Great. Then give it to him because it must be his. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But he could have stopped there. But he, may, he, he, he said something right after that. He said, Get, staring them in the eye, he said, give unto God what is God's. What? What? What do you mean? Well, whose image is on the coin? Whose image is on you? Who have you been stamped with? The image of God. How many know you were created in God's image? And how many know because of sin it gets twisted and fouled up and looks like a mess? How many know that? But does that take away from the fact that you were stamped with God's image? No. I hate to rock your world today, whether good or bad, but you don't belong to you. Give unto God what is God's. Whether you like it or not, you have been stamped with an image that immediately says you do not own you at all. Genesis chapter 1 says, male and female both, he made in his image. Well, that image was fouled up by sin, and we know that. But then, praise be to God, someone showed up in the perfect image of the Father. Who was that? Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Here is this one, this perfect one, this sinless one who bears the image of the Father. And then he goes, sacrifices himself, gives his life that we may come back and be brought back to that redemption and realization of, I am that image bearer. How is that? Romans chapter 8, he also predestined to become, we were predestined to become conformed to the image of who? The Son, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, all of us, who? Oh, it's like seven of you talking right now. All of us, who? All of us. Maybe you need to look at each other and make sure that they understand. Who? All of us have had the veil removed, amen, so we can see and reflect the glory of who? And the Lord, who is the Holy Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You were stamped. Every one of us have been stamped. (laughs) Aaron says, thank goodness. Amen. Honest to goodness, I want to be a piece of mail that's returned to sender. Right? I want to be that piece of mail that is returned to sender. And how do you know how, how to re- send the mail back? Because the address. Who owns that piece of mail until somebody else gets it? Who owns that piece of mail? It's right there. 
So this is where we get into that Psalm 68 where David talks about following hard after God. I am in your image. I want you because I am yours. I am stamped by you. I am yours. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, run out with perseverance. The race has been laid before you. With your eyes fixed on who? Jesus. I want to follow hard after you. I am a disciple. I'm running. There is so much that the Lord desires for disciples. You want to hear what the Lord desires for disciples? Let me just read it to you real quick. Matthew 16 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. What do we talk a lot about here? What gets us into trouble? Self. They must deny themselves and take up their cross and what? Luke 14 says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. See, this is where people right here, this is where we create this heresy of two different, two different types of Christian. There is no such thing. Jesus would not call you to something that you could not do. But we look at this and say, hate. God, I can't hate my father, mother, my wife, my children. He, we got to look at the context here. What does it say about people and what, how we're to operate with them? In what? Love. So we got to look at what is he saying here? Well, honestly, this word here is just saying set aside. In other words, make it number two. Because who needs to be number one? In fact, do you know that everybody else in the number two position will benefit if you make him number one? I'm going to say that again. Do you know that your mother, father, wife, children, husband, all of those will benefit if you make the Lord number one and them number two? How many know that? John 13 says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love, have love for one another. John 15 says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. See, here's the deal. We are created in His image to reflect Him, to mirror Him. Let Him be seen here on earth. What does that mean? Well, John 8, 12, he declared, I am the light of the world. How many know Jesus is the light of the world? And I've said it a million times, and I've got to remind you again, I don't care how dark culture gets. I don't care how dark the world gets. I've seen one tiny match light up a real dark cave. Now imagine six billion of them. Jesus. How many know that the the new heaven and new earth, no sun will exist because all light will come from the Father? (laughs) How awesome is that? All right, Mr. Sun, we're done with you. The real sun's going to take over. Amen? Woo, that's kind of fun. He's the light of the world, and so therefore, if we follow Him and we're a disciple of Him... You say, well, how does that happen? When we say, Jesus, I recognize my need for salvation, so I choose you. 
Somehow we think salvation is separate from following. It's not. But you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, You don't have to work for your salvation. No, you don't. Salvation is free. But the Word also says, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. So you're not, you're, not, you're not having to work for your salvation. No way. But how do we know that you've entered into a salvation relationship? You live a life of what? Obedience and discipleship. If you really have taken hold, it changes you and gift. What does it do to you inside? It sets you free. It changes you and you walk in, and you begin to walk in what? Obedience and change. You say, this is a little touchy now. No. What I'm trying to say is this. Every one of you in Christ is a disciple. Don't try to skate around it. And there are necessary understandings regarding what the Lord's looking for in a disciple. He wants you to count the cost, as the brethren said. He wants you to count the cost. If I commit my life to Jesus, what's it going to change? That has nothing to do with whether salvation is free. That has to do with what's going to happen when I take the free gift. How many people have seen people win the lottery? Let's let's not even do that. No, that doesn't even make it free. They had to pay for something. What's that one that they show up at your house and they TV and Publisher's Clearinghouse? Heck yeah, man. I've been looking for that truck for a lot of years. You stand there. I heard one time somebody showed up at the wrong house. Oh, man, that would have been a bummer. I would have at least requested 20 bucks for something, you know. But they show up there, and how many know they win that money, and some people, when they win that money, things change positively? And how many know that sometimes when people win that money, that's a free gift, isn't it? But you got to count the cost because this is what happens. We count that cost. We say, all right, I'm going to take hold of it. Things are going to change. That means self has got to what? Die. And how many like when self has to die? How many know that persecution comes for those who will follow Jesus Christ? How many like that? You follow what I'm saying? Even Jesus said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Even in his hometown, he was unable to do many miracles due to the fact that so few believed. They saw him as a commoner. Now you say, oh, you mean you really have to? Yeah, but how many know that the, 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 the glorious, wonderful greatness of receiving that gift far outweighs anything you could experience otherwise. Because really, all anything's downside has everything to do with who? Me. So he's the light of the world, and if we follow him and we receive that light and he's in us, we become, according to Matthew chapter 5, we are the what? Light of the world. Let me hear you say light of the world. We are the light of the world. So this is where I want to come back to. You're the light of the world that the Lord has called. Casey, and he's, he's kind of hearing this a little bit double because he, he was in men's group uh, Wednesday evening. But Casey is sitting over there in Albemarle in a brand-new cop car that he is loving.
with a vocation of being a cop, but there he is, a disciple, sitting in a police car. What's his purpose? First and foremost, he is the light of the world. Amen? Amen? That was your purpose. How many lights we got in here? That's your purpose. Now, I'm going to borrow a phrase that sometimes is used for something else, but in, in Malachi, in honor of my Italian father-in-law, Malachi, Malachi 3.8, Malachi asks this question, why would you rob God? Oh, we usually preach that when we need more offering. But the Lord was talking about giving of ourselves, tithes, the offerings, filling the storehouse. But that's a good question. Why would you rob God? What are you saying? Why would I rob God? Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Then why would you rob Him of you? Why? You've been called as His disciple. He stamped you with His image. He owns you. You say, oh, this is getting rough. This is rough. Hey, Romans 12.1, I'm going to read it from the New Century Version. It says, so brothers and sisters, since God has shown great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Your offering must be only for God. We are called an offering. So in Malachi 3.8, why would you rob, rob God of tithes and offerings? What's included in that? What's included in that? I am. Why would I rob God of me? In fact, my, my money doesn't have His image stamped on it. I do. What's even more important than the money? Come on. Now, that doesn't mean unless you're planning on putting yourself in the offering plate, you need to stop giving tithes and offerings because that's, that's, that's an act of faith. But so is giving ourselves an act of faith. Now you say, come on, Dave, are you serious? Well, let me just read Exodus 34, and we'll see just how serious God is. Do not worship any other God, and that's what happens when we don't give ourselves to God, we give ourselves to somebody, don't we? Or something, right? How many know you give yourself to something if you don't give yourself to God? Yes, do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Why is He jealous? Because you are His and He wants you. Who hears that? So why would you rob God? Why? Romans 13 says, pay everyone what you owe Him. Taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due, my life to my Father. I don't want to rob God anymore. Amen? And fearing the Lord says this, Lord, I want you to have all of me. I do not want to live any other way away from you. Oh, Dave, you're talking about perfection now. Come on. Would you get your minds off perfection? He's the one that will take care of that. Get your eyes on Him. 
But what if I fall? What if you do? He wants to see what you do then. Return to sender. Here's the thing, guys. We're all disciples. We've all been called. We're the light of the world. We have His image stamped on us. He, we, he owns. And ultimately, fear the Lord and love of the Lord says, I'm all yours. I can't imagine, fear the Lord says, I can't imagine being anybody else's. I'm scared to death to think about being anybody else's. Anybody going through circumstances in life that you know the last place you want to be is away from God. So in the end, coming full circle back, being all these things, the fear of the Lord, can be identified by one simple thing. God, you are my God. I will ever praise you. I will ever glorify you. I will ever listen to you. And I will ever obey you. I will not leave from that place. Biblically, I'm just going to declare this. Lord, I obey. I want to obey you instantly and immediately. I want to obey you even when it doesn't make sense. I want to obey you even if it hurts. I want to obey you even if I don't see the benefits. I want to obey you all the way to completion because I know, God, you are bringing me to completion. Lord, I can't see all that you can. But I know today that you called me a disciple of Jesus Christ. You've called me to be light of the world with your image stamped on me. I no longer want to rob you of that. Here I am. I will walk in a relationship that says both, I love you, Lord, for who you are, and I fear you, and therefore I will walk in obedience in all things to you. I thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. To God be the glory. Amen. I'm going to leave you with this statement I made last week, and I want you to really grasp it because it's really rocked me this week. Obedience does not save you. Faith does. And that precious gift of grace. But obedience always is proof of your salvation. Does everyone hear me when I say that? You don't work for your salvation. But the obedience to the Lord that is seen shows people that you are what? Saved. Does that make sense? Don't rob God any more of that. You are stamped with His image. Amen? And when you walk out of here, you're going to see a whole lot of people out there. And guess who they're stamped with too? Guess who they're stamped with too? The image of God. And if they are not in a relationship with the Lord, they're in trouble. Right? Because they're sinning, yes. They're separated, yes. But they're robbing God, too. And what are they robbing God of? 
God, you are good and greatly to be praised. Let's just stand and we're just going to sing together. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Now, do you really mean that? Come on now, church. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. So if that's the case, we have to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. God Here we are. May our lives glorify you because you are an awesome God. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.